0: This time I'd like to send special greetings to our friends and our supporters across North America, down in the Caribbean, up to Canada, across the United States. I want to send today special greetings to our dear friends, Mr. and Mrs. Ellsworth McKee. We want you to know that we're thinking of you especially this time. Today's topic is the ninth and the tenth commandment, lying and coveting. I'd like you to take your Bible, please, and turn to the book of Isaiah, and please turn with me to Isaiah chapter 48 and verse 18, please. Isaiah chapter 48 and verse 18, as we start today to talk about the ninth and the tenth commandment. Isaiah chapter 48, and if you have a Bible, please turn with me to the passage. Isaiah chapter 48 verse 18, the Bible says, If only you had paid attention to my commands or my commandments, your peace would have been like a river, your righteousness like the waves of the sea. There's something beautiful about a river. We sing the song, When peace like a river attendeth my way. When I was a little boy, I had the privilege of living on a great river, or rather beside a great river, in Australia. I lived right next to the Brisbane River, in a suburb by the name of Balimba, 34 Key Street, Belimber, Brisbane, Queensland, Australia. When I was a little boy, I became very sick. I got double pneumonia, and then I got rheumatic fever. So I was a sick little boy, and they thought that my heart would be badly affected and perhaps I would not live for long. I had a marvelous doctor. His name was Dr. Boyd. He knew how to treat little boys who were sick or who thought they were. And he said to my mother, give him the year off school. <laughs> not a week off school or a month off school, but give him the year off school, so he can go fishing and swimming and canoeing because that'll do more for him than anything else. Better for him than all the medicines under the sun. I got well very quickly and spent the rest of the year having a great time. I went fishing almost every day, went swimming almost every day, went canoeing almost every day, caught lots of crabs and lobsters and those things that we don't eat. (laughs) Now, there is something marvelous about a river. A river soothes the nerves. It brings back life. It brings peace. The Bible says, if only you'd kept my commands, my commandments, your peace would have been like a river. Could it be, my friend, that there is so much trouble in the world today because people are not keeping the commandments of God? I would suggest to you today that great peace have they who love God's law and nothing will offend them, and that the happiest people in the world are the people who keep the commandments of God. Would you please now take your Bible and turn to the chapter that has the Decalogue, Exodus 20, verse 16 and 17. Exodus chapter 20, the chapter on the 10 words, the Decalogue. I want you to notice the words, not of Moses, but the actual words of God. Exodus 20, verse 16 and 17. Dear people, God says, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Or the King James Version says, you shall not bear false witness. And verse 17, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his manservant, or maidservant, his ox, or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So these commandments deal with lying and coveting. I want to talk for a little while now about giving false testimony And I want to talk about giving false testimony in the context of the sin of lying. We live today in a time when lots and lots of people unfortunately tell lies. Uh, This book, The Day America Told the Truth, is not just a, a book that was put together in a hurry. It's the research of a number of scientists, sociologists, and psychologists who have investigated the way people live and the way people think. And uh, in this book on the front it says, women are morally superior to men. Only thirteen percent of us believe in the Ten Commandments, but it says that most of us tell lies. And this was after talking to not hundreds, but talking to tens of thousands of people right across this great land. Just about everyone lies. Ninety-one percent of us lie regularly. The majority of us find it hard to get through a week without lying. Only one in five. One in five can't make it through a single day. And we're talking about conscious, premeditated lies. And after interviewing a sample of the population in every one of the states, uh, the authors came to these conclusions, what we learned about lies. Most of our lies are relatively harmless. Most of us are not trying to hurt other people with our lies. Lying does impair many of us. It allows us to be the people that we aren't. It gives us the illusion of control. There are more serious liars right now, liars who do harm, than at any time in our nation's past. Inside many lies is an honest person trying to get out. In our interviews, we let some of those people out for a day anyway. Lying has become a cultural trait. Lying is embedded in our national character, This hasn't really been understood around the world. We lie about everything, and usually for no good reason. The majority of us today, one in every three, believe that there is nothing wrong with telling a lie. Only 31% of us believe that honesty is the best policy. The Bible says, you shall not bear false witness. The Bible tells me that the worth of a man is determined by his attitude towards this commandment. I would like to ask the question, could it be that this is one of the reasons why there is so little peace? Because there is so much falsehood. There is lying in so many different ways. We have become experts at lying in so many different ways. There are business lies. I can think, some years ago, this was in the church. I was chairing a business committee. Pardon my telling you this story. It hurts me to tell it to you, but I'm going to tell it to you. And the discussion came up that the church board had promised the janitor a certain salary. I said, was this a firm promise? This was a firm promise. But then some folks on the board said, but we are not obligated to keep it because it wasn't witnessed, and number two, it wasn't in writing. I said, are you really serious? Yes. There were no attorneys, and it is our word against hers. I talked to them from the Bible, and the majority, I'm glad to say, saw it God's way. My friend, you don't need to have an attorney when you give your word. You don't need to have it in writing when you give your word. One man wrote to me once and said, Unless it is witnessed, unless it is in writing, then don't believe what I say. I talk to you? I have a friend. I'm proud to be his friend. His name is Keith Johansson. You know him, Steve. He's one of the wealthiest businessmen in Australia, one of the most successful. I got to know him 20 years ago. When Keith started in business 60, 70 years ago, he never had a written contract. He would take a man's hand, look him in the eye and say, do we agree? That's how he's always done business. When I was in Jamaica a number of years running a great campaign, we ran out of money. (laughs) We needed Bibles and lessons, and I called Keith, and I said, Keith, this is the situation. He said, how many do you need? I told him. How much will it cost? I told him. He said, the check is in the mail, it will be there. I did not have to worry another moment because you could trust him. Let me tell you, when you give your word that shows to the world what you are, shows to the world. There are social lies No, she's not in today, and she's sitting there. There are religious lies which are taught everywhere. Millions have been brainwashed with the lie of the Antichrist that the Sabbath is abolished, and that Sunday is the Lord's day, and was kept by the disciples in honor of the resurrection. It is not the truth. It is a lie. Strong words. It is bearing false witness against our Father in heaven. Almost every time you go to a funeral, the preacher will say, but he or she is now in heaven. It is a lie. They're sleeping in the grave. Another great church says, no, they're in purgatory. And there is no such place as purgatory. No such place. But people say, but that is not so. I would urge you to search the Bible with an unbiased mind. And you'll find that nowhere are we taught in the Scriptures that the saints are in glory, the saints are sleeping, awaiting the resurrection. There are many lies. There are racial lies. When one will say one race is superior to all others, this was the lie that Hitler taught, and some even believe today. There are psychological lies. I guess there is no sin which is more... Minus, more disgusting than the sin whereby people sexually abuse children and their own children. This can never be defended. There is no jail severe enough for those people, in my opinion. yet, there have come lies about even this sin, where some psychologists encourage women to have flashbacks. And sometimes it is true, and sometimes it is a lie. I was reading and saw it on television about a man and a woman who were accused by their own daughter of having sexually molested her. They lost their home. To get an attorney, that's not hard to do. They lost their home, they lost their health, they lost their reputation and they were thrown out on the streets and I saw the girl come on television and say, but these thoughts that I had been abused were put into my mind by the therapist, I lied. Mom and Dad, I'm sorry, doesn't bring back the house doesn't bring back the health. I lied. And then one therapist, obviously not a Christian, said this, it doesn't really matter whether it happened to you or not, just as long as you believe it. And if you believe it, then it did happen. Liars. There are historical lies. Did you know that in some, almost all the universities in one certain faculty, they're rewriting history. Did you know this? They're rewriting history. (laughs) And then one of the professors said, whether it happened or not doesn't really matter as long as you believe it happened. Because perception is reality. I've had Christians come to me and say, Pastor Gardner, Perception is reality. That's a lie. Perception is not reality. Truth is reality. Perception may be full of lies. There is truth. Perhaps the worst kind of lying is slander and gossip, which is the sin of many Christians. Only recently, one of my close associates came came to me and said, Don't you know that this is how most of us live in this part of the world? And we know that multitudes have left the church because of slander. Bearing false witness against our neighbors, would you like to know your most important possession?" Let me tell you what your most important possession is. Look at Proverbs 22 and verse 1, dear hearts and gentle people. Proverbs 22 and verse 1, and if you are a gossip, may God speak to you. Proverbs 22 and verse 1, the Bible says, Proverbs 22 verse 1, A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver. Oh, gold, your name is your most important possession, and the person who slanders you is taking from you your most precious and your most important possession. It is a dreadful sin. The Bible says, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Who is my neighbor? Jesus said, Any person in need is my neighbor. You are my neighbor. Harry Bay is my neighbor. Stephen Jakovac is my neighbor. Any person with whom I come in contact is my neighbor. And my friend, listen to this. Whatever you would have men do to you, Jesus said, do to them, for this is the law and the prophets. We used to call it the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Do not say a word against a person unless you would like that person to say the same word about you. I'm going to tell you a story, some of you know the story, but I was personally involved in the Lindy and Michael Chamberlain case in Australia. Uh, Stephen knows them, Beverly knows them, they were and are dear friends of ours. When we lived in North Queensland And we had the camp meeting. Our house was on the campus. And Lindy and Michael came and stayed with us for a little while. I remember it well because Julie was just a little girl and she tried to bite their little boy. I remember the story very well indeed. Dear little soul, she was. Uh, Lindy and Michael had a baby. The baby's name was Azaria. Beautiful little girl. They were in North Queensland in the same conference that we had been in, North Queensland Conference. They went out to Ayers Rock, which is that great big rock in the center of Australia, the largest rock in the world. We have some things which are larger. <laughs> we don't have the Grand Canyon, and we don't have New York, but we do have a big rock. <laughs> And and Stephen said, the Great Barrier Reef, with the emphasis upon great. They went out to Ayers Rock. They were camping there. The night was cold. Lindy and Michael were having, with their other children, Reagan and the other little boy, uh, they were having a campfire. And Lindy had put the little newborn baby in its bassinet to bed. She had covered it with the swaddling clothes. And with some friends, they were laughing and talking and eating when all of a sudden, Lindy saw a large animal come out of the tent. And it had in its mouth her baby. It was a dingo, an Australian wild dog. And she cried out, oh my God. Our dingo's got my baby. The dog disappeared among the sand dunes. and The rangers were called out and all that night they searched and they searched and they searched. And they could see the marks on the ground. They called in the aboriginal trackers. And the aboriginal trackers are so skilled that they can tell you who walked this way. What walked this way? When this happened and the aboriginal trackers came in and they said the dog dragged the baby here. But then slander started. He was an Adventist pastor. And what is an Adventist anyhow? And the baby's name was, what was it? Azaria. Or was it really Azazel? And doesn't it talk about sacrifice in the wilderness with Azazel? So that's what they were doing. They were having a sacrifice in the wilderness. This strange, weird, religious cult. Now, Michael was very interested in public health, and so he often conducted five-day plans. And in his five-day plans, he used smoking sam. Smoking Sam is like a little man and you put a cigarette in his mouth and there are some bellows in the back and it sucks out the nicotine and you can show it to people what is going into your lungs. And in the five-day plans, he also had a casket. And so people, instead of their getting in the casket, would put their cigarettes in the casket. You see? And so in their public meetings with five-day plans, which are Conducted, I believe, also here in the United States of America. People were encouraged to come and put their tobacco. And then some people looked under their house and they saw a casket, a little cardboard casket. They said, This must have been for the sacrifice in the wilderness. And then the newspapers, God have mercy upon them, picked up the story. The newspapers on the whole are not interested in truth. They are interested in lies or anything else that will sell their rags. This is true. And you've got to realize it is so with the television commentators. Don't look at the television news to discover truth. They are only interested in the ratings and they will lie and do anything to make more money. It is true the liberal press in this country and in Australia on the whole is corrupt to the core. Not interested in truth and against the Christian church and against the preaching of the Word of God. I tell you, they're not our friends. Not our friends. Beverly and I were at Avondale College visiting. We went down to the Swing Bridge that is over Dora Creek, and there was Pastor Murchison with his wife. They were Lindy's parents. And I went over to greet them, and they were weeping. And I said, what's wrong, Mrs. Murchison? And they said, they're going to put up a case against Lindy and say she murdered her baby. And we do not have an attorney and we have the whole state against us and when the government is against you they've got more money than you have And the Northern Territory was against them and the reason the Northern Territory was against them was because our national television and Australia shut down for the time there was a national telecast when the coroner went on and gave his report and said pastor and Mrs. Chamberlain we know the baby was taken Exactly how we don't know, but we do know that you have been subject to the worst vilification in the history of this country, and I apologize to you, and the police did not act righteously. And the message went out, get them, get them. And so the police came down like a wolf on the fold, seized their motor car came into their house, seized everything, and then said, we found fetal blood in the car, when in fact it was the spray that is used by General Motors to seal the joints. The court case was held, and Australia was filled with suspicion. Almost everybody said, she's guilty, guilty, guilty. No evidence, slander and lies and maliciousness. There was a great court case... By this time she was pregnant again. And the old judge said, you ought to be on the side of the prisoner. And there is doubt here. There is doubt here. There is doubt here. There is doubt concerning the fetal blood. But the jury went out and came back and against the opinion of the judge found her guilty of murder and a husband and accessory after the fact. And we watched on television because we were living at Wurunga and we had for the first time in our lives that television turned on the Friday night waiting for the verdict because we don't turn on television on the Sabbath. And we were waiting for the verdict and we remember the jury came in and and he said, hell, find you, guilty, first degree murder, Michael Chamberlain. An accessory after the fact. We will never forget how the guards came and took her and led her, obviously pregnant, to the prison to serve for the rest of her life, hard labor. A little while later, the birth pains came and so they rushed her out of the hospital, delivered the baby in a public hospital and then took the baby from her. Put her back in prison. Years roll by. I helped to raise money. I helped in campaigns. It was a furor because people started to stand up and say, This is wrong. There was no evidence. But the vast majority of people said, Guilty, guilty, guilty. Why? Because of slander and lies. And some of us do the same with our brethren. Lindy in the tropics, no air conditioning, scrubbing the toilets. I remember we had a speedboat, motorboat. We took her children out on the boat one day for some relaxation. Beverly used to go up to Michael's house with Jan Judd, help to clean his house. But then an Englishman climbed Ayers Rock and disappeared. One of the crucial parts of the evidence was this, that Lindy said the baby had a jumpsuit. The expert said, no, you cut her throat with the scissors. She didn't have a jumpsuit. That's just a lie, they said. An Englishman climbed Air's Rock, then he disappeared. And some months later, a ranger going past the rock saw the remains of a body, the bones bleaching in the sand, and right next to the body, sticking out of the sand, was the jumpsuit. The Northern Territory called an emergency session of their cabinet, and they said, Let her out. And they said to her, You can go as long as you say, I'll do nothing. But I will go out loaded within for me, and I'll do nothing. She said, I'll stay here and rot rather than go out like that. So they said, go anyhow. And then there was a retrial and it went on for months and there was slander, slander, slander. Who are these people? What about this? Truth did not matter. And in the end, a new jury and a new judge found that she was absolutely innocent. It had all been lies. All been lies. I remember going up to my church, the largest church in Australia, the Adventist church, the headquarter church. One day, a great church like a cathedral, and written over the wall were the words, spare the dingo, spare the dingo. Save the dingo, but crucify the woman. Slander is evil. She's been vindicated but you can't give her back those years. You can't give her back the children. General Pell said what we need in this country is a rebirth of shame and a rebirth of a sense of honor. I'm going to tell you something that will offend some people watching on television, so be it. When I was a little boy at Belimba school, just a little boy, They had a way of dealing with little boys and girls who told lies. You know what they did? I'm not advocating this today. The teachers would go to school. So would the parents. We have come so far down the ladder today that parents are not even allowed to smack their children on the bottom. That's why the bottom was invented on children. You know what they did with children who told lies? They took them down to the water tumblers and the teacher got out a cake of soap and washed their tongues and their mouths with soap. I don't advocate that today, but I want to tell you it is better than the permissiveness that we have today, where people are born and bred to lie. I don't advocate it. There's a number of reasons. There'd be too many court cases, and it could be a problem getting enough soap. <laughs> I remember my mother, my mother would say to me, because all little boys and little girls are born with the capacity to tell whoppers, and she would look in my eyes and say, Look me in the eye, John. I can see the lies in your eyes and you can see the lies in the eyes. Don't bear false witness against your neighbor. I believe in truth. Jesus said the truth will make you free. I believe in telling the truth. I believe that a promise is a promise. If I tell you something, I am duty-bound to keep it. I believe that a man's word is a sacred pledge if you say you're going to do something and if you don't do it when you have the power to do it then you are a liar. I believe that slander is a crime against Christ and I believe that all liars will have their part in the lake of fire we're told in the book of Revelation. And I'm told that the saints of God in glory have no lies in their mouths. That's Revelation 14, 1 to 5. Now the 10th commandment. You shall not covet. This goes to the heart of the matter. It shows where sin originates in the mind. This commandment forbids the coveting of that which is not lawful. There are some things that are not worth coveting. Listen, let me tell you. There was a rich man who was being buried. He was being buried in a golden Cadillac, gold-plated Cadillac. They had him propped up behind the wheel. He had rings on his short, chubby, fat little fingers, heaps of jewelry. He was dressed in a tuxedo, and he was being buried in this golden Cadillac. And a poor man went past and looked and said, as he saw him getting buried with the cigar and the tuxedo and the jewelry and the golden Cadillac, the poor man went past and said man ain't that livin' that ain't livin' that's dying." and there are some things that are not worth coveting particularly those things that lead to death. There are stories in the Bible about people who coveted Balaam, who coveted money, Lot, who coveted the best part of the Jordan plain, Achan, who coveted a goodly Babylonian garment. There's the story in the New Testament, you know, the story of Ananiah and Sapphira, who dedicated land to God it is found in the book of Acts and you can read it sometime Acts chapter 5 where they dedicated money to God and then they coveted that money and they kept it for themselves these stories are written in the Bible so that we will learn so that we will learn coveting is manifested in many ways it is manifested in the cursed practice of gambling No Christian ought to be guilty of gambling. People gamble so that they can be rich quick because they covet. It is manifested in socialism where governments steal from one class to give to another. Evil. The withholding of tithes and offerings from the house of God. Coveting in every scheme, legal or illegal, to take from my neighbor that which is legally and lawfully his, whatever the scheme is. It is opposed to the word of God, whether it is legal or illegal, don't come to me and say, it's legal to get out of this. There's a great difference between legality and morality. From the thought springs the action. The 10th commandment does not talk about the action. It talks about the thought. And it says, thou shalt not covet. But it is lawful to covet some things. It is lawful to cover covet forgiveness. And for all of our sins and the breaking of these commandments, we can covet forgiveness and receive forgiveness. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. We can covet eternal life. We can covet the righteousness of God. The Apostle Paul said that I might know Him and the power of His resurrection being conformable unto His death that I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. I covet that. I covet a closer walk with God. Give me a closer walk with God. I covet what God has promised me. We've all broken these commandments. Some of us continue to willfully break the commandments of God. It is time for us to covet our new relationship with Christ. And while we have broken the commandments of God, there is a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. I present to you today two mountains, Sinai with its thunders, and Calvary with its dying Saviour. The acceptance of Calvary brings forgiveness. The acceptance of Christ into the heart brings a change of life and brings the heart into conformity with the holy law of God. Amen and amen.